0: so um you know i thought a little bit that uh here i am uh in front of you and some of you are going like well okay who are you uh maybe maybe you watched a few dailies over the last year or two and you've seen me um, so I'm going to give you the Coles Notes version uh, of, of my life a little bit. Um, and uh, I'm going to start with the fact that Raina and I have been married for 32 years. And as you get to know me, you'll understand that that's been an amazing feat for her to, uh, to stay married to, to me. Uh, Our personalities are are different. Uh, I like to describe it this way, that if you invited me to your house uh, for a party and you had a pool, thank you very much, Andrew, um, and uh, I would arrive and jump in the pool and I would say, I'm here, and you would go, really? We didn't know that? Uh, And uh, with Raina, she would be there and you'd walk up to her and you'd say, oh, did you just get here? And she goes, no, I've been here for about an hour. So that's kind of our personalities a little bit. Uh, The other aspect is we have two children. We have two boys. They are 29 and 26. Both of them are married. And the only thing we can brag about is that one of them has a dog. Uh, And they are trying for us to adopt this dog as some type of a grand dogger thingy-majigger, but uh, we haven't quite bought into that yet. so I, uh, I've, I've come here to to new life, and prior to that, I was at Camp Imadine, and I was executive director there for a short period of time. And prior to that, I was in the Okanagan, and I pastored a church there for 18 years. I had the privilege of being able to lead that church um, in, uh, in just being part of the community and loving the community, serving the community, and reaching the community for Christ. So that's a little bit of uh, my history is is. As we go along, you'll hear more of my story and, um, uh, and how God has led me and brought me uh, to where I am. But we are on an incredible adventure, are we not? Um, yes, last week, as Ken uh, shared, that him and Kimberly are, are, are stepping away. I have to let you know that yesterday I sat as I did my devotions and I, I wept, um, and I told him, uh, I texted him, and I told him, "Man, I've enjoyed the partnership and serving under his leadership." And uh, and so I just had my own grieving moment yesterday, and I'll probably have a few of those. At the same time, I'm I'm really celebrating um, uh, Ken and Kimberly and, and and where they're they're heading. So Ken and I have switched offices. And as I said to him today, this is so highly unusual that this happens. Usually, you know, the lead guy stays here and then he goes and you bring somebody else in, but we've actually switched offices. So if, if you want to see Ken, uh, if you go to his office, you're going to find me and not him. Uh, but uh, we are on a wild adventure. It reminds me of in the, in the uh, late 80s, I had a buddy of mine, he uh, came to visit me when I was Going to Bible school at Prairie Bible College, and we went to the West Edmonton Mall. And he wanted to ride the uh, he wanted to ride the roller coaster. He says, "We got to go ride this roller coaster." And I said, "Okay." So we get there and uh, we maneuver ourselves. So as we're riding the roller coaster, um, we get the front cart. We gave up our spot. Uh, uh, one time, so we could get the front cart, and we got the front cart and this dude Jim was so excited about riding this roller coaster i mean he we sat down, we got ready to be locked in, and his eyes were big, and he just was talking a mile a minute, and he said, "This is going to be so good and uh, and and off we went and forty five seconds later of Jim. Uh, screaming and hollering because he was so excited. We started to come to a stop and we'd hear the people behind us and they were talking about how they felt water on their face and wondering where the water was coming from. And and Jim looks at me and he points at himself and he goes, you know, he kind of mounts he said, it's me. And there was no doubt he had spittle. This is pre-COVID, okay? He had spittle. Running down his face. He unabashedly rode that ride with all his gusto um, and, uh, and he was just spitting. I was glad I was next to him and not behind him and didn't get a shower. Well, as I think about that and I think about um, uh, riding a roller coaster, I actually think there's probably two ways, there could be more, but there's two ways that a person can ride a roller coaster. One way is sitting there, freaked out, white knuckled, screaming your head off because you don't want to be on this thing, tensed up, going, what am I doing? Or the other way is actually sitting there and enjoying the ride as best you can, (laughs) relaxing and actually trusting the creator of that ride, that they, they knew what they were doing when they created it. So what does roller coasters and Isaiah 9-6 have to do with each other? Well, hopefully by the time I get done today, I can put the two together, all right? Uh, So let's look at the scriptures that we have um, for this time. And so we're gonna start off Isaiah chapter nine, verse one. Nevertheless, the time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. There will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the Sea, will be filled with glory, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. The boots of the warriors and the uniforms, blood-stained by war will all burn be burned they'll be fueled for the fire for as a child is born to us a son is given to us the government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace his government and it, his government and its peace Will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. For the passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. Aren't those good words? So, Ken has uh, brought us to this point of understanding. He says, as he's brought us to this place, is the history of the Jewish nation following uh, Egypt that they were careless with God's covenant. he gave them a covenant, they were careless with it. They experienced the consequences of being careless. Are you gonna help me out? Okay. As they struggle to honor their covenant with him, God promised them some new th- something new. And the two things he promised was this, that there was gonna be a, a, gov- a new government, a new throne. And that's what we read in Isaiah one through nine. And a new covenant, which is going to be given by a lamb. And that's Isaiah 53. And so now there's this wonderful name that is given, these wonderful names that are given, the wonderful counselor, mighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. And Ken has walked us through the part of the mighty God and the Everlasting Father. And this morning, I want to talk to you about this wonderful counselor. Because I think that, that it has... Uh, great implications for us today as we explore Wonderful Counselor. So these are the three things that I want to accomplish. Number one is this. is What is the implication of Jesus being Wonderful Counselor? What does this implication mean to our lives? And then last, how do we apply it? So let's look at the first one. And that is, I'm still bumping here. There we go. What is the implication of Jesus being a wonderful counselor? Well, first of all, this title of being wonderful and counselor, for the, the, um, for the ancient Hebrew scholars, they actually kept it separate. Wonderful and counselor. Whether you keep it separate or whether you put it together, at the end of the day, it's still pretty awesome that Jesus is wonderful and he is a counselor. So I'll look at them separately, but hopefully then be able to apply them together. So the first part is this. What does it mean for him to be wonderful? Well, it's given in a noun form. And that noun form is, it means that he is extraordinary, miraculous, supernatural in all that he does. This title given to Jesus means that he is extraordinary, miraculous, and supernatural in all that he does. Which means this. Jesus' Jesus' complete work was and is beyond anything and anyone. That's how wonderful he is. That his complete work was and is beyond anything and anyone. Meaning that being extraordinary, if he was not extraordinary, his work would not be complete. If he was not miraculous, then it would not be beyond anything. There would be no power in what Jesus did. And if not supernatural, then that work that he accomplished could have been accomplished by anyone. So he is extraordinary. He is marvelous. He is supernatural. This is our Jesus. This is our wonderful Jesus in our lives. Counselor. To be a counselor is one with wisdom to rule justly. One who is empathetic in the response to us, giving wise advice. Let me break that down into two parts. The implication of him being a counselor is that he is God. He is God, meaning that he is all-knowing. As a counselor, he is all-knowing. He is omniscient. He is all-powerful, meaning that he is omnipotent. He is all-present, meaning that he is omnipresent. He is God, Jesus as counselor is God. Therefore, what he gives, what he shares, what he does in our lives is perfect, is complete, is with great wisdom. It lacks nothing for us. But I think this is the other part that's also important. And that part is is that he is human. That he is human. Therefore, he knows pain. He knows your pain. He knows suffering. He knows your suffering. He knows hunger. Your hunger. Your rejection. He knows betrayal. He knows homelessness. He knows all these things. He knows. That is why Paul could write in Corinthians that we have a God of all comfort, who can comfort you because he understands. He can empathize with you. If you're sat with somebody who's giving you counsel, and as they're giving you counsel, you're sitting there going, yeah, you're giving me the book, but you're not really giving me life. Like, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know my struggles. Or somebody comes up to you and they say to you, Oh, I know exactly what you're going through. And you go, Do you? Like, but somebody walking up to you and says, Man, I don't know what you're going through, but I can tell that it's a lot. That's comfort. But to have someone like Jesus who says, I know your pain. I know your struggle. That's what makes him counselor. And you put that together, this wonderful counselor, and it's dynamic, it's powerful. That's who Jesus is. That's his claim. And not only is his claim, but it is true to his nature. So how can we not call him wonderful counselor, for he is wonderful in all aspects. He is a counselor and perfect in all that he does. So what are the implications of this? What are the implications in our lives for this? And this is what I think. I believe that it, it with him being a wonderful counselor, it, it brings about a place of security. It brings about a call, a place to call safe. We have a place, we receive wise, just help. That's what it means. There are times that I don't think that my walk in this world feels safe, it feels secure, or that I actually have the wisdom that I need to walk in it. Let me come back to the roller coaster. I'll give you a few kind of fun facts about roller coasters. The fastest roller coaster, if you are interested in going on the fastest roller coaster, you can go to Japan. And uh, the flying dinosaur goes, flies 100 kilometers an hour. Isn't that great? 100 kilometers an hour. If you want to be the oldest person to ride a roller coaster, you're gonna to have to wait till you're beyond 105 years old. Jack Reynolds has that record. He rode the roller coaster at 105 years old. The other record he has, just as a side note, is that he was the oldest person to get the, his first tattoo at 105. I kind of wanna meet Jack Reynolds. The country that has the most roller coaster, anybody wanna take a guess? No, China. China has 1,518 roller coasters. If you want to do a marathon roller coaster ride, you're going to have to ride beyond 405 hours and 40 minutes. Richard Rodriguez has that record of riding a marathon for 405, uh, uh, 405 hours and 40 minutes. i got to tell you something, I actually don't like riding roller coasters. I mean, it has to be somebody special to get me on a roller coaster. I'll do it, but I don't like it. And as I talk about this, some of you who love roller coasters are thinking, you're crazy, how can you not love roller coasters? And others, just as me talking about roller coasters gives you a queasy stomach. But let me come back, there are two ways to ride a roller coaster. One way is this white-knuckle, freak-out type of riding a roller coaster. The other way is a relaxed, as much as possible, trusting the Creator. But if we have a God who is a wonderful counselor, then I think we actually can ride this life of a roller coaster. I think a roller coaster is a great metaphor for the life that we live, the ups and downs, the twists and turns, the dips and the drops that take place in our lives and we can ride this life of a roller coaster knowing that we have a wonderful counselor see twists come in our marriages don't they twists comes when maybe you get a call from a son or a daughter and they're telling you that their marriage is blowing up turns in life comes when a child that you love, that you tried to raise is being rebellious. Or you find out that a grandchild tried to take their life. Dips in our world are when we hear the word cancer from our doctor or a son or a daughter or a mother or a father our sister, our brother, our good friend. Drops are when we feel the bottom falls out of our emotions and anxiety soars. When we feel like we can't handle one more bad piece of news. Or when our beloved pastor resigns, oh, is that too soon? You know, I've experienced my own twists and turns, dips and drops in my life. There have been times that I have felt like I've been in a free fall. I didn't feel I could handle it anymore. The ride is so scary. I felt like I'm one of those kids, you know, you go to amusement parks and there's that one kid on the ride and he's just screaming his yawns off, going, I want to get off! I want to get off! You know that kid? I feel like sometimes that's what my life is like. I just want to get off. So how? How do we do this? Dips and these drops, these twists and these turns... How do we do that? Because the implication is that we have a wonderful counselor. We have somebody that can empathize. They can sympathize. They they know what we are going through. He knows what we are going through. He understands. How do I do it without a white-knuckle freak-out moment? simple answer is we trust the wonderful counselor. We trust that he is marvelous, supernatural, extraordinary, perfect, empathetic, infinite, wise Jesus. We trust that. Because it's true. He doesn't end. Even though my life circumstances change, God does not change. He is still there. That's the implication. So the last part is how. How do we apply Jesus as being wonderful counselor? Well, I think there's two parts. The first part is small community. So being the fact that I've worn the hat of leading our house churches, uh, I'm going to put that hat on right now as not as interim pastor. And I want to tell you this. I want to say that, House churches are a great place for us to be able to apply this wonderful counselor in our lives. Or the fact that we need people in our lives that can speak truth to us and speak truthfully to us about this wonderful counselor. There's a verse that I want you to look at, and it's found in Ephesians 3, 18 and 19. was a verse in which I looked at one day and I thought, aha, there's something deeper here. I've just skimmed over it. And so let's read it together. This is Paul's prayer for the Ephesians church. Remember, the Ephesians church was not a mega church, okay? It was a small group of people in Ephesus that were meeting there. And and he's saying this. He's saying, this is my prayer for you. And prayer is that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, to know the love of Jesus that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I want you to look at that part. See the part there? It says, together, to comprehend, with all the saints. Another version says, together with all the saints. All the saints. I need you. I need a part of you. I need you to speak into my life. You need people to speak into your life. And when we break our lives down to a smaller community, that community can speak into our lives and we can speak into their lives because each of us, when we come together, has something to offer about the length, the height, the breadth. Some some point in there, I need somebody to say to me, Scott, just start breathing. Calm down. It's okay. God's got this. Let me pray with you. Let me hold your hand. Let me weep with you. Let me laugh with you. We need that. How in the world am I going to be able to keep the fact that he's a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, a prince of peace? I do it when I can do it in community. This is good. Oh, we need this. We need the large part. Where can we not sing like we sing today? Where can we not pray like we pray today? Where can we not explore the word like we're exploring the word today? But we also need that small community of people who are going to walk with us and remind us that when life dips, twists, drops, and turns, that Jesus is with us. He's our wonderful counselor. Here's my, my second point, is this. Is be prepared. Prepare today for tomorrow. And I like to say, preload your spirit. Preload your spirit. Can you get that term? You know how you preload your Timmy's card or you preload your Starbucks card? Or your fishbowl card? You preload it. You get it ready to use. So Psalm 119 and verse 11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The psalmist understood this, preloading the scriptures into his life. That when it comes a time when temptation comes, got scripture there, got truth there. I've got the power of God in my heart that I might not sin against him. That I will remember my God who is a wonderful counselor. I preload my spirit with the truth of God. I preload it by spending time reading His Word and not just reading it for the sake of saying, Oh, I checked that off. I got, I got Lamentations done. I did, a, I did Leviticus. That's a feat in itself. But it's reading it. How can a young person keep their way pure? by living according to God's word. So this time of slowing down and having solitude, having a Sabbath with God, resting in him, of praying to, to not to the point of going, okay, God, here's my prayer. Let's please pray for you know I pray for my grandma. I pray for my... And I do. I pray for my family. This is a point of reading his word and just saying, God, what are you saying to me? How are you speaking to me? What do you want me to remember for today so that when tomorrow comes, I'm ready? How can I remember you as my Wonderful, supernatural, miraculous, extraordinary God. Counselor, who is God in all aspects, but human, who understands and sympathizes with me by preloading. So, here's the deal. Is that when twists and turns and dips and drops come in our lives, we'll be more apt to handle it. But will we do it perfectly? No. Does it mean that I'm not going to have some freak out white knuckle moments? No, I'm going to have those. And you are too. What it does mean is that as we walk with God, as we remember who he is, as we do it in community, as we preload our spirits, we are more apt to be able to trust our wonderful counselor, that he has a plan and it is good.